for two weeks we gave them a heck of a lot of stick. After week three's uh, matches, we we gave them a pat on the back or at least our version of it. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's use it or lose it where we bash the Aussies and I have a feeling my guests might get stuck into it yet again this week. Uh, Steve, let's let's start you off there. We were entertained royally by the Aussies uh, a week ago, but this past weekend um, it wasn't close and one was seriously dull. It's uh, Maybe start off with that with that Brumbies game. I'm I'm sure you stayed awake for the entire eighty. Off the Brumbies game. Oh, we're starting completely off the track this time. Of course, I stayed awake for the whole entire game. Um, was I completely entirely glued to the match? Not a chance at that at all. Uh, the the Brumbies played well in a couple of 10-minute passages, didn't they? They they look exceptional. They scored some brilliant tries. And then just like most of the fans watching in the stands and at home, they went to sleep and just fell over some tackles and pretty much stopped the force from, from being that desperate side to score lots of points. Um, yeah, weird game. Really, really weird game, I thought, that one. Um, just the, the inability of the, the force, a team that loved to score tries, was so desperate to score tries. Uh, but I guess that shows up the uh, the good defensive attributes that the um, Brumbies did bring to that game, which was uh, quite an entertaining um, way to look at it. If you wanted to, you know, if you love your defensive work, if you love your, your forward play and you don't like exciting back play rugby, this was probably the game that you'd like to watch on repeat. But yeah, the Brumbies did what they had to do, didn't they? And that one, uh, they defended well. Uh, they took the chances they got. Tom Wright played a great game, and they didn't really need anyone else. Paul, I'm sure you enjoy the good old wet uh, scrap just as much as any other Kiwi around, but uh, the force force finally not not choking up a point. Um, I'm pretty chuffed that they uh, at last delivered to my expectations. <laughs> yeah, not so much kind of like um, get a good start and then fading away, was it? It was a really awful start and then never really getting going. Um, yeah, you got to feel a bit bit um, a bit sorry for them. A bit well, a bit sorry for the fans, really. In the, as as um, Steve says, yeah, the, the Brumbies promised so much in that first um, in that first five minutes when they scored two tries. You thinking this could be a cracker um, of a display by them, and then just went well. Hey, we're leading. Who cares? <laughs> We'll just go to sleep. Um, and uh, yeah, so um, look, I'm uh, being an Englishman, obviously, I'm, I was disappointed with the, the lack of mud. We know a lot, if you're going to have a wet game, we want lots and lots of mud and unable to tell who is who by um, by about the half an hour mark. Uh, otherwise, what's the point in it being wet? Um, love a good Manukau Rovers uh, game here up in Auckland or up there in Auckland where they do have a nice mud patch. So, yes, got to, uh, yeah, not enough mud for a rainy game for me. But apart from that, all good. But let's be honest. I mean, the kick clashes we have these days, you don't really need the mud to not know which team is which, do you? Because they look straight similar as soon as they come out into the park. That, true, true. <laughs> Perhaps that's the kind of like, hey, look, our pitches are too good. We've got to make our jerseys the same. Otherwise, it's not going to confuse people enough. Well, I'll tell you what, it's uh, it's indigenous around in the NRL this weekend, so I think you might have a few guys uh, supporting the wrong team for the first 10 minutes, so that's also going to be uh, <laughs> a pretty interesting on on their side. Um, Rebels, uh, Rebels, what are those there again? Can we do a little a little sidetrack about jerseys? Um, ben Darwin, uh, a guy from Gainline Analytics, has done some research, um, and teams that wear a sort of one-off jersey are less likely to win than teams who wear their actual jersey. And there's actually a significant difference in uh, wearing an away jersey to a home jersey um, and so forth. So, yeah, changing your jersey actually reduces your chance of winning the game. It might increase your your, your sales of jerseys and your money, but um, you're likely to lose. So I would say win more games to sell more jerseys rather than just print out new ones all the time. At least also, you Yeah, particularly Chiefs. Um, also, um, everyone, who is, uh, anyone who's a coach, why don't you train in the same color you play in, right? Everything else you're supposed to, you're trying to recreate the game atmosphere, you're trying to recreate the game situation, train as you play, but then you wear a different color jersey. And that, to me, that's, I don't get that. So when you, when you see someone out the corner of your eye on game day, you sh it should be a color you're used to, and that's how you pass, and, and it goes, so there you go. Um, coaching tip for all coaches out there, you've missed a trick here, folks. You're training in the wrong color. Well, uh, you know, that, that wouldn't really work, you know, because if the, the fly-off and the inside centre throw that intercept pass, they need an excuse. So, obviously, they're not going to sign up for this uh, same colour thing. 
And then just as a, as a very superstitious uh, punter myself, I must say when I switch on, on the TV for a game and I see my team is all of a sudden playing in pink or some alternative kit, I'm, I'm already worried. I'm seriously concerned because I'm, I'm mentally I'm ready to support the Crusaders in red. So it's, it's not going to work for me. So hang on, so um, where did you play back in the day? What was your position? Scrum off, number nine. There we go. Yeah, you want Yeah, I, I wouldn't excuse that inset pass. Exactly. There we go. Not. <laughs> I can see. I I see. There we go. No, the excuse I, I for that one was ref. They offside. <laughs> hangover from the uh, uh, what they call them superhero kits over in South Africa, isn't it? You still you still trying to get over those, aren't you? <laughs> oh no, man. Those were brilliant, guys. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I say the um, which one was it? The uh, uh, Captain America really did look like a kid's dress up. Um, one, they, they, literally, they, they, they'd gone, they'd gone to the party store and just bought a kid's dress up one and just gone, Hey guys, just draw it like that, it'll work. Okay, so after all our Aussies, our last South African has <laughs> left as well. Again, this show just keeps on losing, use it or lose it. We're focusing on the lose it part, yeah, guys. Um, let's. Yeah, I thought Paul was weird having his test shirt out there as, as the only one this week seriously trying to claim the win over, over the West Indies there. It's not much there to brag about. Just, yeah, re rebuilding the set as we as we talk. <laughs> For those of you who look, everybody, you've 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 missed the best content. The best content all happened before we started recording, unfortunately. But hey, um we we'll uh, we we'll, 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 we might try and recreate some of that later. I was gonna say we're seriously not trying to replicate it, it sounds like at, at this stage it's it's going south. <laughs> Um, Rebels, Rebels and the Waratahs, uh, Steve, come and bring some sanity to the show. Yeah, uh, your thoughts on that? Come, I actually thought the Waratahs uh, were going to stick well and truly in it, and then all of a sudden, yeah, they just went to sleep as they pretty much well known for. I, I find it quite funny how you wanted to you know, get some sanity back into the show and you, and you start talking about the Waratahs. I mean, geez, you've gone to completely opposites there. The Waratahs, god, no. Terrible, absolutely terrible. Start to finish, I mean, they only scored one try, and that was an intercept try completely against the run of play. Other than that, they didn't like they look like they were going to do anything for the whole 80 minutes. Um, they they weren't even in that game at all. They were completely, no, I, no, they weren't completely outplayed by the Rebels. They were completely outplayed by themselves. They just weren't at that level of, of play at all. Um, their key players were clearly frustrated and annoyed and just not, mentally in the game right from the get-go um they were doing stupid things Michael Hooper especially I mean I, I praised him what two two weeks ago for saying he actually had a really good match so I feel that I'm just now I can absolutely lay into him and say how absolute rubbish he was um last week because I've given a little bit of praise now now it's back to normal um Michael Hooper sort of um comments so yeah he was rubbish absolute rubbish didn't show any comp composed leadership didn't show any of that you know good player around the rock. He was consistently offside. He was consistently doing stupid stuff that you'd expect from a rookie, um, you know, trying to trying to make a play and, and get himself out there in the game. Uh, yeah, not what you expect from him. Got the yellow card as well. Just, yeah, mentally not really at the game at all. And the, and the Rebels, I mean, again, much like the Brumbies, they just did what they had to do. They, they played well enough. Um, they knew they were probably just going to have to play their own game because the Waratahs weren't going to offer anything in, in a way of resistance that they had to change what they were doing. They said to keep consistently, chip away, um, build their points up, make sure they don't do anything stupid like that intercept pass that they got the, the Waratahs, all those points that they did, that mighty seven. Um, and yeah, just, just chip away at it, carry on going. And um, yeah, they did it pretty easily in the end. I mean, their biggest ever win over the Waratahs as well. And when you look through the stats of this game, you probably wonder why it wasn't double that score. And I have some stats for you. Look, I've actually got some, I've got something positive or something Planned segue to contribute to this game. Um, Hooper, five penalties. When's the last time you've seen a player concede five penalties, especially if they're not a prop, right? Getting destroyed at uh, scrum time. So, yeah, disastrous game for him with those five penalties. Um, man of the match for me, um, Hardwick for the uh, for, for the for the Rebels. He made 11 tackles in a game where the Rebels only had to make 58. And that's, hey, he, he was basically carrying that team defensively. Um, the fact that, uh, so yeah, so, so big, big, um, I think that's, I personally think that's impressive with a player who makes 20% 20, 20 of the tackles for the team. Good on Hardwick. I must say, I think I think the last time I saw someone uh, get five penalties might have been the English prop in some uh, certain World Cup final. 
But uh, let's not make this about South Africa uh, yet again. Guys, uh, the expectation for this weekend, uh, Western Force, we, we just touched uh, on them previously and the Rebels, Rebels did just uh, what they needed to do, I suppose, as you guys said. Where did the Force go from here? I see they've got prior back uh, a few little changes. I'll actually throw the team on there. Um, Paul, maybe start us off with this guy. Oh, it's all down to the, um, the is it, I think it's the number 12 jersey, isn't it? Yes, Richard Coho, he's going to start this week. There we go. So um, that's the big one. Um, the uh, age of free badass analysis. Well, okay, interesting uh, advert you got there. Um, the um, <laughs> distracted there. Um, look, they're, they're getting to get, so you say, Ian Price back. Um, you've got they're getting Richard Kahui to start, uh, so that they're starting to get some of their more experienced players um, on the pitch. Um, uh, it's um, John O'Lance, even in a losing side, is making a good case for being the Wallaby number ten this year. I think. Um, because it's mainly going to be, well, at least in the, the Bledisloe Cup tests. Um, so, look, hopefully we're going to see what we saw from two weeks ago, which is that, look, they're actually in the game initially um, and then sort of, uh, and then fade out a bit. But I can't see them, uh, I can't see them winning the game, to be honest. Looking at um, anything, um, Stephen, on the force you want to talk about before I go on to the Rebels? Um, go, go for the Rebels. I can recap. You can recap. Oh, okay then. Um, moving on to the Rebels. I mean, Meeks had a shocker last week, didn't he? Um, so I'm surprised to see him still there in that 12 jersey. Um, really, uh, a bit surprised to see Callaway as well into a 13 jersey. I mean, you, you think that they've got plenty of, um, of of depth at centre, and they go and put a winger in there. So um, some interesting selections there from um, uh, from the Rebels. I would have kept Hodge at 13 rather than moving him back to 15 and then um but some um, but yeah so some strange selections there by uh Ford Rebels um which probably doesn't um which probably shouldn't surprise us we we've been seeing some strange selections from teams all the way through this competition um and um i i've i've not looked at it yet but i'm a sh but um the Highlanders selections one could 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 give you an idea as to who those seven seven drunkards were um uh because what uh, what we've seen is a player that sometimes when you see a player drops and you think why is he being dropped, it's off the field issues that they manage to keep out of the press. Um, so you do wonder if a couple of the players who um, aren't there uh, are they really being rested, um, and which you can do against the force. Let's be honest, um, or is there off field stuff that's uh, shenanigans going on? I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether any. I'm not sure whether any Aussie team is uh, quite strong enough to to rest players at this stage. Uh, Conflict your views. <laughs> I mean, don't you just love it? The Australian media, All Black and Wallaby, join forces. Oh, it, it, Carl Godwin and Richard Kahui, you know, the, the mainstays of international rugby that they are going to join forces and align the Anzac spirit, all that sort of Yahoo is back. You know, they come over every cliche they can think of, don't they, to make something look a little bit more fancy. Yeah, but it's going to be, that's going to be the big part of their game, isn't it? I mean, I find this is going to be tough for the force getting anything from this one. I think we, you know, they started off with that little flurry. Um, they showed that they are a team that probably don't have that uh, sort of grind down game plan like, you know, like a Brumby sort of do have. The, the team that's got the, the long stay in mind, they're a team that wants to go out there. They want to be flamboyant and want to be exciting and, and want to entertain the crowd, which, I mean, I guess that's what, you know, global global rapid rugby was all about as well. So you see that probably coming through them now. This is probably a game that's going to suit them more. I think that Brumbies game was always going to be something a little bit out of their comfort zone in terms of playing style and um, you know accommodating their team to play that sort of way. But yeah, they got a chance here against the Rebels, or uh, be a tough one. But they need yeah they need a bit of start. And they got last week. They need um, those big guys in that midfield. Kahui, I think he's quite strong. Uh, and his appearance off the bench last week, uh, he certainly you know hasn't changed his play style. Has he? Just you know runs straight into people. He's kind of the old school you know big uh, midfield player. But yeah, he's going to be massive. But I I wonder about Marcel Braki on the wing. As great as a player he is, he offers so much more in midfield and just doesn't have that X factor sort of finishing ability that you want in your guy that's wearing your number eleven. So that's a bit of a concern. They don't have as much of that sort of you know player in that back line. So a lot of pressure, I guess, goes on Byron Ralston on that other side. So he's going to have that 
um, capability with him and Jack McGregor to be those finishing guys. And you kind of got three centers who are going to be running out there uh, with John O'Lance, who's going to be a massive part, once again, like Paul says, of this team and, and that back row. So we talked about this a lot of times over the last few weeks. Stowers, Ferris and Stander, those three guys are massive for this team. And I think they, they need to just slow things down a bit. Play the long game. Take some penalties. Get yourself on the scoreboard. Build up a little bit of confidence in how you're playing. Try to, you know, dominate the game in that position, in that territory sort of style, and tick the points over. Because if you don't get the seven, we saw it last week, what happens to them. And it just, it, it has a, you know, that snowball effect where it just rolls on for them. So they need to go back, go back to that old, you know, sort of Brumby style of play. Get points on the board. Try to keep in the game. Stay within, you know, a score or so of your opponent and try and win the game at the end by doing something, you know, special and playing the full 80 minutes rather than just trying to blow the team off the park right at the start, which, as we've seen, doesn't work for them either. On for the Rebels. What I'm really surprised with the Rebels here is they've got uh, Farmer Seeley is on the bench. I mean, he's a standout performer from Australia. He's the best man uh, in this team. I'm really disappointed that they've not started with him. Um, but, you know, we'll see him off the bench, I guess, like Paul says, like, Maybe they are putting a little rest in here. It's the Western Force. The most dangerous thing you can do against the Western Force and any team like them is to underestimate them, is to take them too easy, is to go, ah, it's just the Sunwolves. It's just the Force. It's just the Kings. Remember that, Waratahs? It's just the Kings. Well, you weren't saying that at the end of 80 Minutes, Warriors. This time, yeah, they've got to go out and sort of the professional job here. Um, no Dane Haylett pity. So that's why Reese Hodge is, is going to fullbacks. That's a bit of a loss for them. Uh, what's going on with him, though, I'm not 100% sure. But, yeah, it does make that midfield uh, just a, a little bit weaker without him running through there. So, uh, for me, this is, you know, rebels all day. But mentally, they've got to be at the game still. They've got to get there. They've got to do the professional job. They've got to play the game out, execute the game plan. Because the force are a team, like, we, like I said before, if, if you take them lightly, if you underestimate them, if you give them a chance or two, let them get their tails up, they're a team that, are hard to put back down once they get away. So they've still got to really go out there and play their game plan. What did I say about players not getting selection? You don't know why? You know, yeah. no, folks. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I'm just surprised, Paul. I'm, I'm surprised there that I was, all these teams taken lightly. I thought he'd thrown the Islanders there as well. The <laughs> Well, we're not talking about about New Zealand yet, are we? We'll talk. We'll we'll, um, we'll talk about that um, that that afterwards. But the, I guess the, the perhaps the idea of um, having um, Farmer Sului on the bench is that look, he 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 doesn't have the the fitness to go a full eighty, does he? Let's be honest. So maybe part. I mean, he often gets gets pulled quite early. So maybe part of it is to have him rampaging against a tiring defence. And boy, that could be um, <laughs> that 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 could be very one sided. It's interesting you talk about rampaging against uh, tight defence. Uh, Isina Sarani is back as well. So he's going to become rumbling into this number eight position. So it's good to see him back. Uh, he's definitely a standout performer. And I mean, yeah, it's going to be a big back row battle, as it is with the force. We talked about those key guys in their back row are going to be key. He could be a big game changer because he is going to keep them busy um, defensively when he's got the ball in hand. So I'm keen to see how he's going to go, how up to speed he is, because um, I think just for the Rebels, but I think Australia-wise as well, uh, he could be an important cog for that team. I, I don't think we should probably sort of mention in passing about these two teams is that both of them are on... Um, uh, neither of them are staying at home. They're both staying in hotels uh, because of coronavirus, all that kind of stuff. So how much is that now starting to play um, in on these teams? Are they starting to get a bit tired about being on the road? We know, we've know seen South African teams sometimes when they go on tour, by the fourth game, they want to go home. Um and you, maybe there's an element of that from both these teams now as well, as that they both would like to get home at some point in the uh, near future. I must say, I think it's I think it's big for the force to have the the two centres there finally in in combination. Probably two of the better players. I know they probably pass their prime, but they're still an upgrade for the force for me to have to have Kaui and um, Godwin there. I think that's that's a plus. And prior back is is huge. You know, I think that just makes makes a bit of a difference. And as you guys say, the the back row is going to be crucial. At the end of the day, though, they still got nicer on the other team and Corabetti uh, and uh, and those guys. Big loss, Alepeti for me. But yes, uh, I'm definitely going to have a little last try scorer on my man Farmacili to come and be like a human missile off the bench there. So um, that's that's the biggest thing I'm looking forward to out of out of this clash, guys. Then on to something that's probably like a little bit uh, or possibly 
a glimpse into a, into a final. Uh, Brumbies, Brumbies and Reds. I think at, at this stage it looked like they they could be the two two main teams. Um, Paul, I'll start you off on this one. Obviously, the Brumbies again just did what they needed to do. Showed a little bit of that uh, rolling ball and and strength in the pack that you'd expect from them in wet weather rugby. But doing it against the force is something different than showing it against the Reds. Yeah, no, and I think actually this might be Brumbies Rebels in the final rather than Brumbies Reds. So I think it's, um, <laughs> Stephen's not agreeing with me there for people listening to the podcast rather than watching the video. Um, the but so yeah, so whilst this is top of the table, um, if the oh sorry, when the Rebels beat the Force, um, they'll climb above the Reds into second place. So um, it is going to be a tight, uh, it, it, it's, it's a tight battle for that second place between those two. Um, looking at um, this team, well, yeah, actually, I mean, the interesting was I said those first two tries, it was a um, uh, they, they scored one from their own own half off the back of a scrum on a first phase move, um, and the other one was from a, from a um, uh, was from a turnover ball again in their own half. So they can attack from deep. It's not they're not just a um, a rolling mall uh, team. Uh, so they can do it. It's a question of actually will they bother to do it. Um, Let's be honest with you. Um, Valentini needs a good game. Um, he was a bit off sorts last week, uh, and uh, uh, and we always talk about the, the we talk already about the um, the back rows being important. So he he needs he needs to step up this week. I think um, really from from him. Um, Bean um, Bailey Kurzzi, the um, the very young fly half. I've been uh, it's been good to see him um, playing uh, and stepping up to this level. Uh, pretty, pretty seamlessly, to be honest. Uh, he's, he's, he's had a good start. It helps having someone experienced like Simone outside him and Joe Powell inside him. So it's good to have that experience around him. Um, Kieran Drani, another guy who really hasn't done much yet so far. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to him uh, stepping up, having a big game at some point because he is a look. He is a rampaging player. Um, and uh, but um, when we talk about the Reds, yeah, it's going to be the forwards that are going to need to stand up and stop that forward pack from the Reds, isn't it? Um, uh, particularly the Tom and Thor, um, he also um, he al al always gets them over the game line. Uh, and again, that right Wilson um, in the back, uh, and then um, and also uh, and Scott Young. Those back rows again. That's where there's going to be a big battle um, for this. Um, I guess the other thing is going to be lineouts. Can the Brumbies disrupt the the Reds lineouts? If they do, um, then that's going to basically just give them no platform. Uh, so that that could be the way for the Brumbies to sort of just um, just keep the keep keep the lid on this red side that can you now only look Jordan Pattaya coming back off on the bench that's kind of that's kind of cool to see him back um, but I think yeah the lineup could be a key thing here that the Reds could struggle with Steve. You, you took you took my point away from me, there, Paul. I was about to say, John Pattaya has taken all all the all the plaudits back, you know, back to uh, Australian rugby. So uh, it's going to be he's taken a bit of that um, uh, attention away from you know their NRL guy that they're trying to sign and, and throw billions of dollars at him, weren't they? So uh, everyone's moved on back back to Jordan. He's going to win the Wallabies, the World Cup, and oh, that was last year, wasn't it? Not this year. Yeah. So this is this is I think an intriguing game. Um, because this could potentially be, well, obviously it's going to be the game of the round, I think, by quite some distance, but it could be actually a good game of rugby because you, you think about the Brumbies and you think about the Reds, and the first thing you think about both these two sides is the fact they've got really good forward packs. They play a bit differently with those forward packs. The Brumbies a bit more old school, yeah, going you know, to the old mall and the, from the line out and that sort of play, whereas the Reds like to run around and squash people. But all in the end of the day, they both have really good forward packs. I think this game, the two teams have to think a little bit differently. It's number one default here. They've got to go to that pack to get you know that advantage. When things go wrong for the Brumbies, they go to that mall. The two teams have to, I think, think outside the square here. They've got to go to the back line. They've got to go to something different. They've got to try win the game in another area because I think this is a game where the two teams are probably going to cancel each other out in the pack. You're going to get little period where the Reds are going to get up over the pack, over the Brumbies, and you're going to have the Brumbies will fight it back. It's going to be, you know, to and fro between them. The bats is where this game could really be a difference maker. I find it interesting there too because you've got the Reds, so I think, got the advantage 
in the, the halves, although they are not starting Tate McDermott, which is a, a bit of a concern, but still uh, over, you know, the, the young Kunzel that uh, Paul was talking about before, surely they would have had the advantage there, having that experience and all those playmakers they got throughout that team, you know, that the Stewarts um, and the O'Connors and the likes there. But it's further out that really the Brumbies could completely take this game away with the, the exceptional form of Tom Wright, the Kurandrani, like Paul says, who's done nothing all season and it's starting to be getting a bit of a concern as to when he's actually going to start playing well uh, for this Brumbies team. They've got the excitement out wide, but are they going to think outside that square? Because I think defensively, the Reds won't match that on that Brumbies attack. But the two sides have to use those backs to attack. We have to see the Reds using those playmakers, putting pressure on them. Defensively, I think these teams may get a little bit found out as you both hopefully will go all out on attack. And, you know, go away from that bashing forward pack, which is probably going to get no one anywhere, and get a little bit expansive, get a little bit exciting, and uh, use those exciting guys outside and, and try and beat them in a different sort of way. So that's that's what I'm hoping, because that's about the only difference I can see between these two teams. I think it should be, though, a nice, exciting contest um, between what I think are the two best teams in Australian rugby. Down with you're the Rebels. Clearly you're wrong, but um, I mean, it's, it's going to be bones <laughs> right in Canberra, because we need to talk about weather, oh, obviously. Yes. Um, so that's that's not going to help the um, that, that's that's sorry, that's not going to help the Brumbies because um, O'Connor looks awful in the wet at 10, but in the dry, he can be the magic that um, that uh, unleashes that team. So, uh, yeah, um, yeah, bone dry in Canberra for this weekend. It's just so it's uh, strange looking at this Brumbies team. I mean, everyone knows they're rolling more in their power up front and and uh. Uh, strong, um, strong front row, and and then you still got uh, Valentini and and Samu in, in the Lucy's, so it's big ball carriers, and obviously they've got a young young team, but still outside that, Keita is his second game back, Tom Banks is second game back, I think or third, so they they're starting surely. Hopefully they'll show a little bit more form, and as you guys said, uh, Kurandrani just doesn't quite quite click, but to me. On paper, this Brumbies team has just got the entire package. So it's just a case of whether they can can click click on the lawn. And as you guys said as well, um, it's probably a good idea for the Brumbies. I think the Reds will be so up for this one. Brad Thorne, the forward-orientated coach as well. He loves to give the youngsters some some free reign. But, I mean, that's where his focus is. If, if the Brumbies almost just uh, fly a surprise and just tuck it around a little bit, I think they could actually uh, catch, catch the Reds, Reds unaware because they'll be so up for this forward battle. And, and not expect the, the K-chain to, to be running loose. So hopefully uh, that's what we're going to see this weekend. On that note, let's go over to the New Zealand rugby and let's go straight in to the Mighty Crusaders coming up short on their home patch. I couldn't believe it. It's it's shocking. I'm, I'm still... I'm still uh, I, I still check the scores every now and again just to make sure whether it's, it's, it's the truth. Uh, Cornflake, what happened there? Well, we've talked about this one quite a bit over the week. And I mean, one thing keeps coming back up and repeating itself is how this game actually come to fruition for the Hurricanes. There was a the fact that they played the full, well, it wasn't 80 minutes, it was probably more like 85 minutes of the game. So many times this season, so many times past seasons, so many times when you see the Crusaders playing, teams never play the full game. There's always that period, whether it be either side of the halves, whether it be at the end of the second half, there's always that period where sides fall asleep, where they just let their concentration lapse. And that is when the Crusaders strike. And let's be honest, watching that game, you saw it. You saw them ramping up the pace. You saw them putting the clutch down and going down for another gear, looking to hammer on the pressure. Richie Mullinger's game stepped up. All the signs were there. And you're thinking to yourself when you're watching, it's about to happen. It didn't happen. And that was the big, big difference. The Hurricanes had enough to, to hold it out right to the bitter end. And I'll tell you what, they got everything thrown at them in that final little stanza that the Crusaders played their game as they do every week to a T. They played their game plan. They were within a chance. They got close, but they just couldn't seal the deal. And I mean, you've got to 100% give that credit to the Hurricanes for just playing it out right to the very end. And they played well. They had key guys throughout that team. Um, we, we talk about Lamape, how good he was, but it was the man outside of Umar Jensen who was the guy, I think, that stood up this week. Lamape was good. He got injured. Umar Jensen scored ultimately probably the match-winning try and got injured himself. But those guys had set the platform. And I think after that, it was a defensive effort. Uh, the, the team effort, 
you don't often see teams get up over the Crusaders in that sort of instance as well. So great game, brilliant game to watch. And like, like you say, you're watching it and you're just waiting because you know that the Crusaders are going to do something. You know that they just won't fall at this last hurdle like this. We just don't see it happen. And they just couldn't do it. And it was, it was, yeah, it was just mind-blowing to watch it and see it actually happen and see. I mean, well, that's what, four years since they've been at home? Four years since we've sat there and continually watched the Crusaders do that little something uh, right at the end to turn the result around. So brilliant to see. Great for the competition. Everyone's all celebrating how the competition is all wide open yet again. But I think realistically, we know who's still got one hand, four and a half fingers um, on those uh, on that trophy ready to go. But yeah, great, great to see. And good on the Hurricanes. I mean, I'm all for, you know, the Blues going down that picking order as the Hurricanes, you know, jump their way up now and uh, relegate the Blues now to a, you know, fourth place playoff of the Highlanders this weekend. Yeah, you know what's coming. And, and I'll credit before I depart on this one, where's Hooson? I've given him a bit of stick this season because he's been so ineffective. But boy, when he goes, he can go. His spark off the market is fantastic. He was a, a big game player in that matchup as well. And Ben Lamb's final match was his best match I've seen from him in, in years, to be completely honest. He's been, you know, that big guy that's been amazing in patches that year when he tried to well, almost, you know, push his way into the All Blacks and everyone was going, why are we badly Ben Lamb in the All Blacks? Uh, since then, that was his best matchup. As he leaves to go overseas to Bordeaux. Um, so four years, exactly. folks. Everyone's kind of forgetting a certain game. Four years? Four years? Really? Four years? No. Four years in Super Rugby, maybe, but not four years since Who's the Crusaders. No, I thought they, they only play once every four years, don't they? I mean, they, what sort of record's that? I don't. But look, they beat the Crusaders down in down in Christchurch, the, the British Irish Lions. It's not been four years since the Crusaders have lost at home, folks. It's been four years in super rugby okay so it's just let's just calm the and horse down by the way it's also been what, 10 months since the south and stags lost the match as well just thought i'd throw that in there <laughs> oh dearie me in 10 months since they've played yes exactly <laughs> dearie me <laughs> dearie me so yeah look cracking game wasn't it one of the um, one, one of the one of the games of the season absolutely uh, if you haven't seen it, folks, go back and watch it in its, in its entirety. Don't bother with the highlights. Go watch the whole thing. Um, cracking game. Um, and if uh, and uh, spoiler alert, if Richard Moanga had made that uh, last conversion, uh, it could have been a draw. We could have had golden point. Not super time like they have in Australia, because we know it's not super. Uh, but we could have had golden points over here in New Zealand. So, um, But he missed that, that penalty, unfortunately, for them. Um, and actually for us in some ways. I think it would be interesting to see how the New Zealand side's approach to Golden Point, would they have been as uh, defensive and negative about not losing, like like the teams in Australia were, or would they have actually take, gone for the win um, uh, rather than uh, not rather than sort of the uh, not lose sort of option? So, uh, yeah, um, amazing. Um, big change in tactics by the Crusaders from first half to second. In the first half, it was kind of like, okay, folks, let's both kick uh, and only play in their half. And then in the second half, it was like, oh dear, we're going to have to keep hold of this ball if we're going to score points. And the Crusaders tried playing with, tried to try to hold on to the ball and starve the Hurricanes of, of possession uh, and play through, and it just didn't work. So, but they, uh, yeah, the Hurricanes had different challenges each half, but faced both of them very well. I must say that towards the end, it looked like the normal procedure for the Crusaders, where they finally wake up, decide to play some rugby, and and they were just going to sneak sneak in and and win this match. It looked like. Uh, you know, we've seen uh, Rocky one, two, three, four, and this was uh, number five coming up. And uh, yeah, somehow, some of the Hurricanes uh, just just battled it out and, and managed to get it. So for once, the Crusaders' um, late run wasn't quite done quite uh, well enough. So yeah, coming up short. But it's actually quite interesting. Uh, I know we probably would talk about this game in any case, but a lot of people are expecting, you know, not really knowing what to expect out of this uh, Chiefs Chiefs Crusaders game. Chiefs. Uh, last game at home and you know hopefully putting up a heck of a fight and being tired of all these close losses but at the same time the crusaders looking to to bounce back from a defeat i mean it doesn't happen to them often so usually when they do taste that uh, bitter taste they they don't want to eat that food again but uh, let's first uh, finish finish off on 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 the second game maybe not quite as as 
okay, I'm not going to say not quite as exciting. It was one heck of a finish and uh, all the talk this side, and I know it's, it's probably the same uh, your side as how it was uh, a wrong call on the line there and a call, Paul, that uh, kept, kept the Blues alive. No, that's look, look, if you leave it down to the referee, it's your own fault, okay? Don't you got to take the referee out of the game? We all know that. Um, so yeah, look, the, the Chiefs have been on the end of a couple of tough decisions over the last two weeks. Um, Dave McKenzie's disallowed try the week before. Um, and yeah, this should he should have at least sent it up upstairs to be, to be reviewed. Let's be let's be blunt. Um, uh, but it didn't happen. Um, that's um, so so let's uh, let's move on from that. Uh, and um, look, Dave McKenzie looking a lot better. Uh, we saw him much more active in this game, but we get back to this selection kind of thing. Who is the starter? Is it Cruden? Is it Trask? What are you doing? You keep switching them around. Um, then that's going to look, give Brad Webber someone to play with uh, and let those combinations settle in because uh, it's been a long time since he's played with um, with Cruden, really, uh, and he's not played with Caleb Trask either. They're from different um, my Sen Cup provinces. So, uh, look, I don't understand this changing it all the time um, unless something's going on. Um, good to see Antonette Brown back out at 13, where we're seeing him play a lot better uh, than being closer closer in. Um, and real shame uh, about um, uh, Solomon Alamalo's uh, dislocated shoulder um, when um, Caleb Clark landed on him uh, after he scored the try. Uh, look, some people saying he tripped. But that's the Blues. That's the, that's actually Blues glasses. Um, your um, your, if you've got your black glasses or your, your red, yellow and black glasses on, then you'll say that Caleb Trask um, dived on him after he'd scored and it was a late hit and um, they should have a penalty halfway afterwards. Uh, yeah, um, it was clumsy, definitely. Um, was it malicious? I don't think so, but it was definitely clumsy. Uh, and um, yeah, real shame to see that, uh, that he's out now again because he's a guy that, that's had quite a few injuries recently and not had the game time. Someone a few, about, what, maybe about three years ago now, I think it probably is, people were talking about as being potentially an all-black um, as well. So, um, yeah, he's just uh, not had the game time since then. So it's a real shame to see him uh, get injured in that game. Massive shame. Well, complete shame. He's he's their spark. He is a spark player who can create you know, nothing. He can create from nothing. He can make you give you a try. He can finish. He's fast. He's strong. He's agile. He beats defenders one-on-one. Uh, he was solely his return made me think that the Chiefs can actually pick up a win this season. In his absence, I just don't get that same sort of impression. Well, I know he's a good winger. Stevenson's a good strong ball carrier, but they're not those X-factor wingers. They're good, solid, do no wrong. They'll consistently give you a good performance, but they're not going to just do something unbelievable that could turn the game on its on its head. We see you know, guys like Alomalo um, doing that, and the, the capabilities he's got just can change the game. So massive disappointment, not only, not only for the Chiefs, but I think just for rugby fans, because he's he's a guy that you go to watch. He's a guy that you go to see. So I'm um, really disappointed by that. I think if anyone's not wearing blue glasses, um, they're probably a bit annoyed about that tackle, um, no matter what color your glasses are, if you're wearing any at all. But yeah, that's a real shame. I'm disappointed, you know, Paul, that we didn't get to talk too much about that penalty on the review show um, on New Zealand Sports Radio earlier this week because I've watched it back. I watched it back afterwards, and and I, I sit here shaking my head. And the more I see the pictures, and the more I just look at Goodhue there with his knee on the ground as he takes the player and, and is holding onto the ball, and I'm just like, how, how, how is this even ha- how? It's like I, I can see you know from the side that his, his knees on the ground. Um, I, I'm yeah, completely, completely bamboozled by that one, and. I mean, it's it's weird and not very often that you see players like Anton Leonard-Brown absolutely blowing up because they're normally quite calm, uh, non-confrontational sort of guy. He's not going to, you know, he's he's not a um, TJ Piranara uh, sort of player who would be, man, he would be just exploding if that happened to his team. Uh, so, it, it, you, know, you know something's up when those guys really get up in arms. And when you watch it back, I, I, I'm a bit... Uh, yeah, wondering how that happened. They've been hard done by the pro old Chiefs. I was, I would have been, I would have been flat out happy if they actually snuck that one at the end uh, against the Blues. It would have been a, it would have been a fairy tale finish, absolute cracker of a finish um, to the game. But yeah, the Blues give them a bit of credit. I guess they come on strong pretty much throughout that game. I think the big highlight for me was um, Elo Malo, the man of the moment, stealing that uh, slapping from the sideline. 
uh, when it was they tried to keep it in. Uh, so falling asleep there, the Blues at the back. So that, that was a highlight for me because teams always, you know, do that silly thing and it just ruins a good penalty kick. Absolutely ruins it. So, yes, I, I got a big yahoo and a, a shout for that one for Alo Malo as well. But, yeah, Chiefs looking better and better every single week but just can't get over the line. And I think now it's sort of becoming a mental thing for them because they just don't know how to win. It's the Blues of old, isn't it? Now they've kind of become that team that can get in a position to win, but just don't know how to finish off the job, um, which is a bit of a concern because, you know, they've got the super coach, uh, as they think they call him up there in the Tron, um, and they've got the super players, and they're just not putting in the super performances as well. And this week's going to be so, so tough for them. But they've got a lot on the line now. Last home game, last chance to impress the fans, last chance to do something special for 2020 in their own home stadium. So hopefully now for the Chiefs, we see some special performance from them. Look, you bring up a good point. I mean, look, the, the, on, from the Blues' point of view, yeah, they fell asleep at that penalty. If you've got to, go, you, 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 the winger goes out there to try and knock it back in. That's he did his job. But you're also supposed to have some players over that side. You're not supposed to be having a huddle on the far side of the pitch deciding what you're going to do at line out. Um, when you're receiving a penalty. I mean, seriously, guys, that, that yeah, they fell asleep there. They made up for it with their defence. Yes, were they borderline? Absolutely. But good defences are borderline. Um, Harry Plummer did the exact right thing. He laid oh, all over the ball, under the posts, got himself a yellow card, but it allowed the defence to reset. Um, so, yes, they were very, uh, what, is, what the euphemism is, very professional with their defence at the end there. Um, and it saw them over the line. But they definitely but some old habits falling in there for the for the blues, which is worrying around that um, lapse in concentration. I can't remember what it, what it was, but there was a similar thing happened the week before as well, um, where they had a lapse in concentration um, against the Hurricanes, um, which uh, and obviously they 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 didn't get out of jail that time. They came up short. So yeah, they need to they need to concentrate for the full eighty minutes this weekend. Well, I didn't. I must say, I didn't quite understand the the early switch of Bowden Barrett there. I thought he could have uh, stuck stuck with him at ten for another another little bit. I think that was a a bit of an early call, and I don't know. Still, to me, Plummer doesn't offer offer much when he comes onto the park. But let's let's go straight into the to the Chiefs game. Yeah, um, we said it now. They've I think uh, a few weeks ago or, or yeah the previous week we we said it about the the Islanders where you keep knocking and you keep knocking and either you you're going to eventually pick up that win or you're going to pick up a beating where you almost just uh, throw in a towel with 20 to go and realize, listen, it's no use scrapping for another five-point loss here. So uh, which way is it going to go against the Crusaders this week? Uh, a Crusaders team, as we said, uh, hurting, but uh, a Chiefs team lost, last home game, uh, Cruden playing his 100. Which way is it going to go, Cornflake? Well, you know that the Chiefs are going to throw everything they can at it. They're going to chuck the kitchen sink. I hope they will go out with that attacking mentality of, like you say, uh, live or die by that sword. They're ever going to, you know, try and c compete out there, put points on the board. You know, they, they play that half, that first half against the Highlanders, where everything just clicks so well for them. It's unlikely to see them doing that for 80 minutes. But, I mean, they can put that first 40 minutes of the display in, give themselves some confidence, put everything out there, and believe they can put in a, a victory they still probably won't win, but they could make it a nice entertaining matchup. Uh, the Crusaders, I think, yeah, they'll, they'll be hurting. They've, they've lost a game um, and that, that does not go well for them. And I think you're going to probably see a more clinical team, a more focused team, because let's be honest, they've been just cruising along, haven't they? The, the Blues pushed them and they went, yeah, okay, come on, Blues, we got this. We'll just, you know, go to that next place and, and you know, ramp it up a little bit and we took care of those boys. Um, now, it's like, Reality struck. Reality's hit for them, and they have to prove that they're good enough to actually close this competition out. They'll be looking at this. I'll saying, all oh, the Hurricanes think they can win the competition now. The Blues think they can win the competition now. Uh, this will bring out the determined Crusaders. This will bring out the uh, passionate, kind of desperate, in a way, Crusaders who will just want to put out a statement. And you won't find them going out like you know the Chiefs. If they go out and throw everything at it, you won't. The Crusaders won't do that. The Crusaders will be far more composed, and they'll be far more more focused on executing every single intricate detail they can in just decomposing their their opposition and structurally breaking them down. Every little area they can dominate, they'll want to dominate, and that is what they'll look back at after the weekend and really grade themselves on how they went, regardless of result, because they'll want to nitpick every single aspect and look back at it and say, okay, 
this is where we went wrong. This is what we did better. And yeah, that's as Crusaders and how they play. That's how they get their structures and they just play it perfectly like that to their game plan. So I expect they're going to be just, uh, yeah, uh, really, really, really difficult to break down, really difficult to shake from the way they're going to play. And that could be dangerous against uh, the poor old Chiefs. So I, I hope they go out and I hope things stick for them and they can make an exciting game. So, yeah, before I just go say yes, the Crusaders are going to win by lots. Um, we should have a quick look at the the, um, the, the Chiefs team. I, and, and I think one of the one of the concerns has got to be that bench for, for the Chiefs. Um, when you've got Samasoni Talakayo um, as your most experienced player with 34 caps, you you really are in trouble. Look, he is a good young hooker, but it's that second word, young hooker. He's young, right? He's not an experienced head. You've got Oli Norris, two caps. Angus to Arvo, three, 33. Um, Arcoy, 10. Simon Parker, debutante from Waikato. So, uh, I mean, look, I, I cover Waikato. Uh, I've got a media pass to Waikato. I go to all their games. I've got no clue who Simon Parker is. Um, this really is a someone picked from nowhere. Um, he's an under-20 Milo, New Zealand player. Well, he's not played any Mitre 10 Cup, right? He's not oh, played any cares? senior. Pardon? Who cares? It's all international, under-20s, come on. I, from school to under-20s, straight into the strength Super Rugby, skipping Mitre 10 Cup entirely. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so I'm not seeing because I've been doing, um, I'd say he's, I, I, I cover, I cover Mitre 10. Um, Milo Harris, three three caps. Where's Triple T? Caleb Trask, seven caps. Tapia, 10. I, that is a very inexperienced bench. What, four, five of them? Um, this is their th- six of them. Sorry, this is you know, five of them. This is their first season um, at Super Rugby level. So, if the Chiefs, yeah, th- th- there's no coming back for the Chiefs here. They have to stay with and get ahead of those Crusaders. Otherwise, yeah, it's going to be all over. Well, I tell you what, the old the new boy Fatuli had a bit of a hard time last week. Uh, we we talked about him probably being being a bit of a tough time at 13 for the Crusaders. It doesn't get easier this week. Uh, Anton Leonard Brown, I think he's he's going to be eyeing that up 100% as his chance. Uh, the other one is loose forwards. I think um, looking looking at that, I know you guys probably rate some of these uh, Crusaders guys, but from our point of view, there's not a lot of um, not a lot of solids there. That you know, from from a heck of a lot of rugby, where Douglas isn't even there anymore. So I know uh, Sione Avili is quite quite rated, but we'll have to see how he does for the Crusaders and at at this level. And on the other side, I mean, you've got Lachlan Bosch here, who's, who's showed his worth the last few weeks as well. Again, crucial skills. And then um, uh, your man, Sam Kane, who everyone's been uh, trying to defend and making 18 tackles in the game. And he's playing fantastic rugby. Not so sure about that. But uh, for the big occasion, I'm sure he's going he's gonna to really try and um, try and lift his team this week. So it's, it's going to be interesting, interesting on that one. And maybe just... Uh, Straight on to that, what I wanted to quickly have a discussion on is is the centre situation for the All Blacks. I talked to someone this week and I said it's it's almost unlucky being a centre in, in New Zealand where you get moved to 12 as soon as you do well at 13 because it just seems like, uh, I don't know, you guys are sorted at 13 because uh, Anton Leonard-Brown to me is a better 13 than a 12. Uh, Jack Udiu at this stage is still a better 13 to me than he is a 12 and yet everyone gets... Uh, move to that 12 spot so who's this uh 13 that you guys have got locked in um to, to start all the all black tests that everyone has to be moved to 12. well it's funny isn't it because we, we used to have lots of 12s and it's Sonny Bill williams ryan crotty um and then having then, then try, having to move them out to 13 and and i mean um charlie Nartai, i mean we, we we had um moala uh we we, we had, a, had a we had loads jesus no they had loads and loads of players who who, who were twelves uh, who ended up playing thirteen for the All Blacks, um, but now it's the other way around. Uh, look, Antonio Brown, it's, it's his jersey. End of story. Um, and Jack Goodhue will will start at twelve um, for my for my mind. I can't believe you said George Mawala, average winger at best, let alone a blooming midfielder. Goodness gracious me! I'm going to ignore that and pretend I didn't hear it. You've got, um, got an All Black in the midfield. Nick, next thing you can say that Leon McDonald was a better you know uh, fly half than. Andrew Mertens and Blumen Carlos Spencer at the time as well. Anyway, but I'm just saying that there were a lot of trolls at the time. Go on. Yes, um, I agree with you uh, on the other point that you made. Definitely not on Moala, but yeah, uh, Anton Leonard Brown for me streaks ahead um, as a 13 and a 12. Good Hugh getting 
relatively better and better. I think last week, even though he was on, on the losing side of the result and had a, a patchy game defensively, I think we started to see a bit more of it as attacking ability of holding up defenders and still offloading the ball, uh, especially in that first, I think, try that Richie Moanga scored, but on the first couple of tries that Moanga scored, uh, where he took on two defenders, still offloaded the ball and gave it a clear run to the line. That's the sort of game um, that Goodhue can bring. He's normally... Like I said, Bar last week, a really, really solid defender, makes his tackles. He's a strong runner as well. And I just think suits the style of play. If you've got an Anton Leonard Brown running outside, and I think if you're going to go for Damian McKenzie and the team as well, those two in midfield, I think, suit him a lot better as well because he's comfortable with that sort of player. And I think we see the difference, like Paul said earlier. McKenzie's playing better, but I think he's playing better because Leonard Brown's playing at 13. I think he just likes him having that width on it. And I think he just feels a bit more comfortable going to him or coming off him uh, as a runner or a carrier on the inside. They just have that combination. I think they're flatmates too, aren't they? Uh, Anton Leonard Brown and Danny McKenzie. So they've got that chemistry as well. So those two guys are key. I think the fullbacks are going to go that way. Anton Leonard Brown, 100% has to be the 13. Good you is my 12. For La Mape, uh, sorry. <laughs> it's just it's just strange to me, though, that someone like, like Rico would um... – Pretty much just just say, listen, I want to be playing thirteen. I, I'll get you guys now as as his potential as a thirteen. But someone like Anton Leonard Brown is surely has to know that okay, you know, given the current situation, thirteen is where I should be focusing. And yet, the first first three or four games, or, or probably longer, uh, he couldn't he couldn't get the gig. He was still doing doing twelve. I mean, does that just mean that Warren Gatlin? Just felt that 12, 12 was better, or whether he wasn't confident enough, saying, listen, I want to play thirteen. So. To me, that's just a, a little bit of a question. But then um, maybe run on uh, Rico. Rico as a 13. Is that a viable option for the all-black coaching system? So I mean, before, well, the reason um, Anthony Brown is with, with 12 is because is because Quintapire um, is someone who the people here, here in Hamilton, here in Waikato, um, see him as being a big future player at 13. So it was to try and accommodate the new guy um, in there. Uh, so it was like, okay, Anson, can you play twelve so we can so we can accommodate Quintapire um, and see how it goes? Now that didn't it didn't work out, right? Um, or at least didn't, uh, not after lockdown. Uh, and then uh, Alex Nankovil was available to come back in to fill that twelve jersey. So it, it, it was more about trying to get certain players on the pitch rather than kind of uh, about that. Um, the other interesting one for me is that um, uh, Jordy Barrett has come uh, came out at, uh, in the off season saying he wants to play twelve. He doesn't want to play fullback. Um, and he re-signed at the Hurricanes, telling them, I want to be a 12, and I want to get ahead of Laumapi at 12. Mm-hmm. So um, a, a lot of these young guys are who are get, uh, sort of starting in those back three places, who, who have played all their junior rugby at centre, uh, at second 5A, and they want to move back in. So it's, it's yeah, it, it, is a, it is an interesting conundrum, and how, how we're going to fill these players in. I think Rico would go into a squad as a versatile player uh, for the All Blacks. Uh, he's got, obviously, the ability to play on the wing. I think that could play in his advantage as being a bench option to cover midfield and, and the wings, uh, depending on, on how a game go, goes and what they want to do. You know, if, you're, if you're leading by a lot, yeah, okay, give him the chance, see how he fares in the, in the first few games or what have you, whatever chances he does have. But yeah. Elamape, like we talked about before, is a 12. He's a 12. That's it. That's what you get. That's what you got. Um, Rico does give you a fair bit of versatility. So I think that plays on in his advantage. Uh, and yeah, not not huge amount of really other options you probably would throw into a black jersey. It's going to be between him and Geordie, isn't it? As for that um, 23, or maybe, or maybe both of them will be on the oh. bench. Well, it depends who plays 10 and who plays 15, doesn't it? <laughs> There's a lot as long of as, you've, as, as long as you've got uh, got old Bowden on the park, you've got plenty plenty of options running around there. So it's 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 all good. Listen, uh, guys, fifteen. If he's in the back line, I, I don't find him anywhere near as effective. The, the wing, he's he's terrible. He, he played a little bit in the midfield last season, or season before last season, possibly. Just doesn't have that impact. He's a bit like McKenzie. He comes in, he chimes in at first receiver, he chimes in out wide to give the overlap. He picks his positions really, really well. He doesn't have that time 
in the back line uh, when he's just given the ball and told to do something with it. He picks his spot better. And I find him with McKenzie, uh, with him defensively, Jordy is insane at fullback. He's he's crazy good if he really gets committed. Uh, he, he can stop guys, you know, on, on a dime uh, if he gets himself in the right spot. So I like him as a fullback. It's a bit like Ben Smith. Just stay off the wing. Stay back, fullback, good thing. Uh, please, please keep him off the wing. I just think, as as you said, it's it's almost it's the same as Damon McKenzie, where third, fourth phase, you know, coming in and and picking where he wants to come in. It's it's brilliant, and having that roaming fullback and and having that freedom to use him like that to me is the best. Or when you've got an almost centre field kind of ruck scrum situation where you can basically play both sides of the park as two to creative a ten and a backup ten. So to me, that's that's the way to go and the way to use him and. I know you. We've we touched on this. I think a few weeks ago about your uh, fullback wingers, but to me, it's just the way having um, old Jordy Jordy on the wing. It's, it's irrelevant. Okay, guys, uh, let's uh, let's go on to the predictions. Let's uh, head back to the Aussies, um, Force Force and and Rebels. Conflict ball. Force and Rebels. Oh, are we missing a game yet? I'm going Rebels by yeah, nine points. We've already touched on Highlanders Blues, but I think he's running out of time. Have we not? Have we not touched on the Blues? We've not talked about Highlanders Blues yet. As in the oh crap! Game. Sorry, forgot about that. Okay, let's 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 Highlanders do our half an hour. Let's do our, our tra uh, traditional half an hour on the Islanders. Um, <laughs> Steve, uh, big one there. Actually, yeah. What I wanted to say there is um, the Blues. Are they? Starting to just lag a little bit, yeah. Have, have they lost? Uh, have they lost that spark now? Is uh, Satuto such a such a big influence for them? I was expecting. I mean, I think I told you guys. Unfortunately, I made it uh, uh, public on this show that they were going to smash the Chiefs, and uh, they really didn't do that. So, um, what what's happening in the in the Blues camp at the moment? Even though I know you're more interested in the other camp, but let's let's go there first. <laughs> oh, I know Paul's going to distinctly disagree with me, but um. Yeah, writing my preview earlier, I said a very, very similar thing. Uh, I think that the aura of this Blues team has has fallen uh, completely off the radar. That loss to the Hurricanes was a, was a big drop for them. They probably expected to lose to the Crusaders. I think they believed they probably could have won, but they wouldn't have been too disappointed of how they performed in that game. But I just think two losses on the trot has been compounded by the fact that the Hurricanes actually beat the Crusaders as well. In the mental side of the game, they've probably looked at this and gone, we couldn't do that. And now they've done that. Um, we're kind of playing catch-up now with this new top two teams in the competition. This is a huge game for the Blues. They've lost, I think, a lot of, like I say, a lot of that core that really bulldozed that team forward. The team style has kind of played they've they've toyed with this this plumber idea and they've they've played around with their playmakers they've moved players here and there they've gone away with what worked i think that's the biggest thing they had a game plan it was working well and as the old quote goes if it ain't broken don't fix it they've tried to fix it they've, they've thrown in the, the spanner and it, it really has thrown in a spanner big time it's completely broken the wheels off uh and it's they've kind of yeah, I plummeted, I think. that A little bit of normalcy was returned. I think Fayani makes a massive difference in that back line, but they've lost a lot of that, that go forward, that power uh, that the back row had. And the fact that other teams have probably acclimatized a little bit to it as well. They've brought their own sort of style of the game into it. I think the Blues were, were well suited to this new uh, rulings of the game in those first few weeks. And they come onto it pretty well. And, and they took the biggest advantage early on. Now things have evened out. Things are starting to get a bit steady. The, the refs are starting to slack on on the strictness of these laws again. And the game is starting to go back to normal. And the blues are starting to go back to normal, which I, I can't can't hide my happiness about. <laughs> oh, dear me. Yeah, yeah the, the, they've fallen asleep in the last two weeks when they shouldn't have done. And they need to they need to play the full 80. They've, 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 they've lost a bit of that concentration. Um the and yeah, I think Steve's right. The fact that the referees have slackened off massively, um, and they and the Blues, yeah, um, nailed the new interpretations better than everyone else, uh, and therefore, yeah, did and, and took advantage of that. And um, as those new interpretations aren't being enforced anymore, um, they've not adapted to it, unfortunately. Um, uh, but so yeah, oh, they'll need, they'll need oh, to play. Just, uh, 
Paul, just quickly, I've I've heard some people. Uh, I saw a message during the game, and I actually went and and watched the game a second time around. That uh, everyone was like, ah, oh, everyone's talking about these uh, Blues wingers, and and they know it to be seen. But uh, to be fair, I think Caleb Clark still had a heck of a game. I thought uh, defensively, he put in put in a, a huge shift, and every time he got the ball, it it was over the advantage line. He gave them go forward, and I know there's mixed reactions on Rico as well. But to me, he did the same every time they. They, did, they didn't really get him into space, but when he got the ball, he did take it forward, which is ultimately his job. So I don't think it's a, it's a case of them slacking off there. It's, I don't know, some, somewhere else on the park that they're having issues. Oh, it's the, it's the pack, right? You just get to get that front of the ball. Uh, and... Uh, so, yeah, no, it's the pack. Look, it's getting that front football, getting the platform, allowing the backs to play. That, that That's where the problem is. And you say Hoskins Tutu is a big part of that. Um... Uh, and Ikiriwani, look, he's been playing well, but uh, look, he doesn't have the control of the ball at the back of scrums, which then means that platform's not quite working as well. Um, and uh, yeah, he's not Hoskins to two, so he was doing good at six um, as the uh, as the as as, as as the second big ball carrier, um, but he needs Hoskins to two to help him with that. Now, I mean, one thing I do want to talk about though is sponsorship, as, as I did my whole sponsorship spill without it being recorded. So. Look, you see the sports radio looking for a beer sponsor. If you do, I will beer. Yeah, I will actually drink my beer without the beer cozy, and you can actually and, and you'll, you'll get exposure for your beer. So, yeah, beer sponsors very much welcome. Um, there we go. I, I'd like to add something in about Akira. He's uh, like the schoolyard bully. He'll go and beat you up when he's got six of his mates, but when he's by himself, he'll be your best friend. Um, now that's not saying anything about his personality of being a bully like that. More the fact that. He is a guy that performs better on the back of someone else doing a similar job, as him, like Paul says, as that second uh, big runner by himself. Without that support, without that other go-to guy to share his workload, he's not as impactful. And I think uh, Papeliti brings a bit of that game to him, uh, but he's not quite that same sort of just up-and-go runner that's a tutu broad and that, that big ball carrier. And I think, yeah, if, if you get that tandem back working again, the Blues will get that mojo in that back row. And I think, yeah, I agree with Paul. If they just aren't getting that go-forward momentum out of that pack, that allows them to quickly recycle and then have the space and time for their backs to actually do uh, what they can do. They're doing it um, off the back of, you know, settled defences, structured defences, and not, not finding the room and the space that they were in those first few weeks. And you, uh, what, what's your expectations of your Islanders this week, uh, Cornflake? Well, it depends who's playing. <laughs> so at least, you know, Josh Ioanni's going to be okay. Um, other than that, though, it, yeah, it, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what lineup is, is named. But, yeah, talking about the Blues and how much I think they've kind of fallen off their horse a little bit, I said earlier, I think it was on this show or one of Paul's shows, that the Highlanders won't be beaten again at Forsyth Bar this season. Uh, I'm sticking with that because this is a team that loves to play at home. And I'm a man of my word, so I'm going to stick with what I've said. Uh, and I think at home, they've had a week's rest. They enjoyed it. Qu- quite clearly, uh, they enjoyed that week's rest. Uh, but now they've got a, they've got those players back. They've got the Ioannis back. Josh McKay is actually in the team, and I hope he's still in the team uh, again this week as well. He makes a massive difference. Ioanni makes a massive difference. That presence those guys bring lifts the team. Those are guys that can set players through uh, holes and gaps and, and through defensive lines, and they are guys that themselves break defensive lines. Makai is an X-Factor player. We talked about Alo Marlo before, a guy who can make something happen when nothing's on. Makai can do that as well. The Highlanders have missed that since Waisaki left, and they need that sort of guy back again. They need a guy who they can rely on. Nareki's getting there. I think he's a player that will be that sort of guy in time. Right now, Josh McKay's that guy. And imagine the future, we're going to have Nareki on one wing and Makai on the other. We'll be unstoppable once again. That will be the, the obvious you know, sort of choice for the future. But yeah, I'm confident because we've got that home gun advantage. The Blues seem to be on the slide. Got to get that mental edge. Get a good start. Get in front. Put the pressure on the Blues. Try and upset them. Try and, and ruffle those feathers. Make them chase the game. Get a bit pressured. Get a bit upset and see if we can just, you know, completely make them make errors because they're trying to force too much. They're trying to do too much. They're trying to execute their game plan um, outside of what they're wanting to do. So that's the big thing I think they need to do. A good start. If you give them that start, they're getting into the Chiefs, you can kiss this one goodbye because I don't think the Blues will let that sort of lead slide. 
Steve, Paul, Steve, Steve's getting Steve's getting excited there about uh, his wingers and they're playing against the Leon and and Caleb Clark. It's it's quite can't quite uh, it's quite sad. It's quite sad there. Um, Paul, <laughs> Paul, you you think uh, the Islanders have got a shout in this one? Oh, look, they've got a shout, but it's it's, it's a fairly it's a pretty quiet shout. Um, the <laughs> but uh, look, I mean, seven players having that um, that the have enjoying themselves too much in Queenstown. Uh, now, the, in some ways, the Highlands are lucky that it's seven because it means they can't drop all seven because they wouldn't have a team to put on the park. Um, hence, that, that's the only reason that, the, that these players are going to get to play this weekend. Uh, and I think Ash Dixon um, put it very clearly is that they they have to show this weekend that um, they're sorry for what they did last weekend. So in some ways, it could be a motivating factor for the team. Um, otherwise, I think you'd see a certain um, a few players missing. Uh, but it is going to be yeah, it's going to be interesting. Do do they say right? Look, three of the players you bet you you drop for this game, and then four of the players you drop for the next game, or how do, how how they discipline the players? It'll be interesting to see as to what kind of um, sides they 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 put out. Uh, but yeah, that's um, it wasn't very clever by the players. Well, let's be blunt. Uh, look, yeah, the Highlands slowly starting to pick. I mean, again, strange selections. Where why hasn't Mackay been got been picked for a while? A bit like the Blues, strange selections. TJ Fiani, um, some strange selections going on. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there are a few more strange selections this weekend after those um, uh, uh, after that drinking binge. Okay, can we head off to the to the predictions now? You've uh, you find the third. Let's go. Uh, Rebels, Rebels by ten. I, I'm Rebels agreeing with Paul. I'm saying Rebels by nine for me. Okay, big one. Brumbies, Brumbies and the Reds. Oh, Brumbies by seven. Oh, he's gone big. Uh, I think this is going to be nice and close. I'm, I'm anticipating a really exciting Australian game of Super Rugby. Brumbies by four, close and tight. It, it, look, it is, this could be one of a bit like our mate Shane says, um, Friday night's fight night. Um, it could be one of those. And I know it's on Saturday night, but it could be one of those kind of games. Because <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's Brumbies, Brumbies one to twelve for me there, and and probably even Rebels, Rebels one to twelve. I think the force will make them. Uh, they'll they'll bring it down to a of an ugly scrap. Um, then on to the New Zealand uh, Chiefs, Chiefs Crusaders. Well, I'm being kind. I'm going Crusaders by five. Ooh, you are being kind. Um, I'm not so being kind. I, I thought I'd be the one doing the conservative pick here, but I've gone Crusaders by nine. Okay, it's yeah, Crusaders, Crusaders by plenty for me. Um, but I say that every week. And then on to the Islanders. Also, I guess the other point is we've only had, I think it's like one or two games that haven't been that have been more than a score difference. So hence that's why I've gone down to a score is because only only two games in um, Super Rugby Atara have been decided by more than a score. True. Yeah. Also, actually, in, in the betting, I quite like like the half-time, full-time play. So I, I wouldn't mind going. Uh, Chiefs, Chiefs, Crusaders, Chiefs to lead at the at half time and Crusaders to come back and beat them. That's the kind of uh, play I like, and you get quite nice odds as well. And then um, the last one out there, okay, uh, Islanders, Islanders, Blues. I have a feeling I know where this one's going to go. <laughs> blues by three. <laughs> <laughs> they, they say in the government down here, you know, go out and enjoy your country. You, know, you can't travel overseas, so don't make the most of, of living local. Go and experience New Zealand because we can. And, you know, who can blame the players for going out and having a bit of fun? We're going to be fired up. Highlander's going to get the job done. It won't be a, a big win. It probably won't be pretty, but it will be a W by one for the Highlanders. Bring it home. It, it sounds like things things went a bit zoo-like for some of those players, and this time they're going to have to do it in front of the zoo. So uh, let's see, as as you guys say, um, yeah, why not why not have a bit of a good time but keep it on the pitch this this weekend? And to everyone out there, enjoy enjoy the weekend in the if if you have to. But uh, even if you don't, I'm sure you're going to be stuck to the rugby. So thanks to my guests for joining me and enjoy the rugby this weekend. Thank you.